What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 21 of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I'm joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. We just got a whirlwind of news, so I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, uh, we initially got some Gotham Knights news, which is exciting, but then Lucasfilm dropped uh, quite the bomb on us. We got what might be one of the biggest stories of the year. You know, we'll have to wait and see, but lots of exciting stuff there. We're also going to talk about our most anticipated games of 2021. So you want to stay tuned for all of that, but first, you can catch Preloaded. We post the video versions over on our YouTube channels. I'm Quest Mode on YouTube, and Jackson is JV, J-A-Y-V-E-E. If you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio versions over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to leave a review. Post a quick five-star review if you're enjoying the show, and that'll help us grow our audience. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your comments and your feedback, but we'd love to get your questions. At the end of the show, we dig into our mailbag, we read one of your questions, and we discuss our answers. So if there's anything you want to hear us talk about on next week's show, write in to preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of questions, we are going to kick the show off, as we always do, with our segment, Who the Hell Are These Guys? This is where Jackson and I Answer a question about our gaming history, our gaming preferences, so you, the audience, can get to know us better. And in light of all the Lucasfilm games, I think it's called, Lucasfilm games, news this week, we're going to answer the question, what's your favorite licensed game, or even game based on a movie? Jackson, I'll throw it over to you. All right, so I think there's just so many to choose from. Uh, truthfully, I've thought about like a lot of superhero games. Spider-Man obviously comes to mind, uh, but I'm actually going to go back to one of the most definitive superhero games, I think, of the last couple decades, which is uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. That was just such a landmark melee combat game and also a game that firmly rooted uh, everything about itself in, you know, the Batman universe. It was really about a game kind of sticking to the roots and then delivering a fun experience from there. So uh, Rocksteady, obviously, we haven't heard from them in a while. Suicide Squad's coming soon. But yeah, I always love the Arkham games. So that is my choice as well. But I had a <laughs> feeling you might choose it. So I have a, a few backups. Um, I I have to go back way back to GoldenEye just because I re I feel like that's the first game that really nailed a license uh, based on a movie. It was a fantastic game, but um, that's a long time ago. More recently, uh, I actually feel like Jedi uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is one of my favorite license games I've played. I remember, again, as you, if you've been listening the last few weeks, you know I'm a big Tomb Raider fan. And I remember thinking, like, this game is more Tomb Raider than Tomb Raider um, as I was yeah. playing through it. It was just a really great single-player experience. I hope that uh, we get to see more of that in the future uh, as they hopefully, you know, make sequels. Yeah, and just a side note here, this was going to make our news until we got a, a bunch of news, at least in my book. But uh, Fallen Order just got a next-gen update, so I haven't been able to check it out yet. But to play that game in more of a native way on next gen and get those advantages. I just can't wait to check that out. Yeah, I'd love to check it out as well. Uh, I didn't platinum that game, but I've heard it's a pretty relatively easy one to get. So I, that'd be a reason for me to uh, boot it up if I can. I guess I could do it on my. Yeah, if I want the platinum, I need to do it on my PlayStation. I'm running out of room on that thing. But anyways, <laughs> that is exciting news. So moving on, we are going to get into our out this week segment where we look at all the games coming out the week that we post the podcast, or rather the week following. We post on Friday, so this will be the following Monday through Friday. And we've got the first big game of the year coming out on January 20th is Hitman 3. This comes out for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series uh, X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, PC, and then later on, at some point, there's a Switch streaming release. So this is on everything. And yes. uh, 
very excited for Hitman 3. I've been replaying some of the levels from Hitman and Hitman 2. Uh, can't wait for this. And then finally, uh, Ride 4 comes out for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S on January 21st. And when I see these uh, listings that come out for next gen uh, only, I'm assuming this is already out for current gen, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, um, I'm not 100% sure either. Ride 4, I think, is a more niche game. Um, I'm not sure many people listening actually are interested in it. Could be wrong there. Um, But yeah, Hitman 3, absolutely on my radar. Both you and I made content for it. I'm also replaying some legacy levels on Hitman 2. So really hyped for that. Yeah, we'll hopefully be uh, talking about that in our what we're playing segment in uh, either next week or the week after. I'm not sure how that'll play out. But anyways... (laughs) Uh, we are now going to look at our review roundup. Uh, after we look out the, look at the games coming out, we look at the games that came out and see what review scores they're getting. It's still pretty quiet on the release front, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game, Complete Edition, did come out. Uh, this is the remaster of the, the beat-em-up that everybody loved from, gosh, I, I think it might be like a decade ago, but it is getting great reviews. Critic average of 80% and a recommended score of 76%. And then since we're pretty quiet on the review front, we wanted to kind of take a look back at Cyberpunk and see how it's faring because its reviews did get significantly more negative as time went on. Right now, it's sitting at a critic average of 76% and a recommended score of 62%. And if you recall, when we first looked at this, it was, I think both were in the high 90 or low 90s, high 80s. So it's definitely taken a hit with all the publicity and now that people know what the game actually is and how it plays. Uh, any thoughts here, Jackson? Oh, just not super long here. Uh, cyberpunk is just a tough situation. Um, I do like lots, uh, definitely a lot of parts of this game. But as if you guys watched our last episode, you know that Josh was more of a fan in the end than I was of the experience. Um, I think these scores are more than fair considering how it released and... I'm I'm never going to be a person that roots against a game getting better. Um, and it's I think it will get better, and that's the only place it can go. It can only go up in terms of review scores. Um, I think from this point, we obviously saw it go down because of like you know the publicity, like Josh said. But from here on out, I expect that it will be a better game. Yeah, I would expect this is maybe the bottom for it. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, you're you're right on. I did really enjoy the gameplay. If I were scoring gameplay only, I'd give it much higher than a seventy six percent. But given everything that's wrong with this game which is a lot. Uh, I, I think that this is, a, this is a fair score. So that is our review roundup. Uh, next, we have our uh, big news segment, but we are going to take a break before then. We'll be back in just a second. And we're back. We are now going to get into the week in previews. This is where Jackson and I look at the top five news headlines of the week that have to do with all the games coming out in the near and sometimes not so near future. Uh, And this week, we're definitely going to be talking about games that are in the distant future because we got a huge announcement from uh, Disney and Lucasfilm, who announced that all Star Wars games from here on out, as far as I understand this announcement, are going to be published underneath the new banner of Lucasfilm Games. Uh, So this is a big deal because prior to this Uh, Electronic Arts had an exclusivity deal with Disney where they were publishing every single Star Wars game. uh, And that has been going on since 2013. And just to add some context here, in a blog post on StarWars.com, Lucasfilm Games Vice President Douglas Riley was quoted as saying, We've got a lot of stuff we're ready to start sharing with fans because we've been working quietly behind the scenes for a while now, waiting for this moment. And then he went on to say, we're looking to work with the best in-class teams that can make great games across all of our IP. And he was not lying because, so this happened on Monday. And then on Tuesday, just a day after, we got the announcement that Bethesda, uh, with Machine Games, their studio Machine Games, which if you don't know, is the developer of the Wolfenstein games, is working on a new Indiana Jones game. And they released a very short trailer, a teaser really on Twitter that is just like a shot of some kind of of Indiana Jones, uh, I don't know what you would call it, paraphernalia and like, you know, maps and binoculars some you know, Indiana Jones stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, then it had the uh, like a, a hint of the Indiana Jones theme in the background. And then we hear the crack of the whip at the end. And, <laughs> um, really cool way to tease this this IP. But it does sound like it's a very long ways off. And um, yeah, I mean, before I get into it, Jackson, do you have any thoughts on just this this uh, this branding shift and the, the the Lucasfilm announcement and then the Indiana Jones game? Yeah. So for these Lucasfilm games, um, I think for a while now, it's kind of been common within our larger gaming community that EA is not doing a good enough job, not doing a good enough job. And this, I I hesitate to say that this is an ex- exact result of that. And we'll talk more about EA's role going future in a second or going um, you know, forward into the future. But uh, yeah, this is very exciting and it's very in line with all of the insane Star Wars like shows and movies and the other announcements that we've gotten recently. So it seems like Lucasfilm is finally firing on all gears and taking full advantage of the IP because yeah, we've only been shown that Star Wars is just massive and it needs something like this. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of what Marvel Games is doing, uh, where they're Mm -hmm. kind of uh, dishing out their IP to different developers, Crystal Dynamics, Sony, and and others. And um, also what Sony themselves have done with their first-party studios. You're absolutely right. Star Wars alone is big enough that it requires, you know, multiple projects simultaneously, along with Indiana Jones and whatever else. I don't know if Lucasfilm has anything else, but... um, Definitely good that they're able to dish this out to multiple studios at their discretion rather than having EA do it within a limited group of developers. Right. And it did seem, like you mentioned, a little limited. There were at least three canceled EA Star Wars projects in you know the years since this exclusivity was announced in 2013. So that's a lot of just canned projects that didn't even uh, come to light. And then... Indiana Jones, um, if we can move on into that, was just this this announcement blew me away. And especially the Todd Howard bit. Now, actually, I think in the last few hours, there was another article posted. uh, Can't remember the source, but talking about how Todd Howard was the one who went to Lucasfilm and pitched Bethesda for the project Mm. with story ideas and other things. And so I think there was a general sense that Todd Howard would be more hands-off as in you know executive producer roles can be a little more hands-off or a little more involved it seems he's more involved than i expected him to be yeah and that was something i actually forgot to mention in the in my uh um lead into this story is that yeah todd howard is a executive producer on the game and that was surprising to me too because i don't you know i really started paying to uh, attention to bethesda when todd howard was kind of their when he started being their front man on like their e3 press conferences and all that and i don't really think of him as a uh someone on the development side but it sounded like he's going to be not necessarily developing the game of, of course but definitely getting his hands dirty is what it seemed like it was the impression i got from this otherwise i don't know why they would announce him as uh the executive producer. I don't know what was his role on the Fallout games and and like the Elder Scrolls games. He directed them. Um, okay, so, so yeah, well then there you go. Like he is absolutely definitely. a dev. Um, yep. Yeah, there's some. If you're like deeper into the Elder Scrolls and Fallout communities, there's some really like funny behind the scenes videos of him talking about always wanting to be a developer. He's just been at Bethesda so long that he's risen the ranks. But yeah, he is. He's absolutely. Um, a, a dev and I'm interested to see if we'll be able to kind of glean his mark on this game uh, once we actually see some footage yeah yeah and very cool I see a lot of people online saying you know Microsoft this is kind of like Microsoft or Xbox uh, creating their own Uncharted of course we have no idea if this will even resemble Uncharted other than the fact that it's Indiana Jones and that's what inspired Uncharted but right. um, it is uh, kind of cool uh, for me being a, both a Tomb Raider and Uncharted fan that with those games seem, seemingly kind of taking a or being put on the back burner that now we have a uh, really big budget story driven adventure, uh, you know, archaeology focused game. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I, I love am, the Wolfenstein games. 
Yeah, um, I, I think the the first two Wolfenstein games were fantastic. Um, I think Machine Games is more than capable, and everyone's obviously pointing out the parallel of uh, <laughs> Machine Games making games that are about uh, where the where the enemy rather is Nazis. Yeah, uh, I thought so about that. <laughs> the parallels there are awesome, and they know how to make compelling villains, and they also know how to make uh, compelling heroes that fight against uh, Nazis. So. Yeah, yeah, this probably won't be as as violent as uh, Wolfenstein, but um, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I do think it's worth mentioning though that I I don't know if they have two teams working simultaneously or if they have maybe maybe they've almost wrapped their Wolfenstein three. But if they're not significantly far into development on Wolfenstein three, we may not get it, or it just might be after Indiana Jones. Right. I'm right there with you. Um, Wolfenstein is kind of up in the air, and I think that's okay for a lot of people. I think we've, you know, we've seen three Wolfenstein games, so yeah, I think yeah. that would be fine. Yeah, so uh, then after that happening on Tuesday, just today as we're recording this, this morning we woke up and saw that, uh, well, I- I'm actually going to kick this one over to you, Jackson, if you don't mind, and I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you sure. take it away. Okay, so the big uh, bomb drop. We didn't know that all of this was coming, by the way. I think Josh already said that. But just to reiterate, just this bam, bam, bam. We might even get another announcement tomorrow um, by the time you guys listen and watch this. But Ubisoft Massive is developing an open-world Star Wars game. This is a new title, still very early in development. Massive is actually, you know, like using this announcement to recruit for the project, which actually I assume that's the same case for the Indiana Jones game. But we do know that Julian Garrity, who was the creative director on the Division 2 and the crew, both Ubisoft titles, will be the creative director on this project. And uh, that that's exciting. Those were both sort of online games, but the more I've dug into this story, um, Julian seems to say that UB Massive is going to try to make something different than what they've made before. Um, It's easy to read into that. We don't know really details there. But uh, some things we do know is that the game will use the Snowdrop engine, which is UB Massive's engine. They used it for the division, but also games like Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle and the newest South Park RPG, Fractured Butt Hole. So (laughs) (laughs) I know you got to give that like pause between butt and hole. Yeah. Um, So... It's a very versatile engine um, is basically what I'm trying to say yeah, like, there. I, I can't think of uh, two, like three games that could be more different. I mean, Mario Rabbids and South Park kind of have some common ground, but The Division is nothing like those games. So very flexible engine, apparently. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to see how that will work um, for, for a Star Wars game and what direction they'll go in. Uh, we don't have any specific details about characters or settings within the Star Wars universe. A lot of people have been throwing around like a Mando game which I think would be brilliant. Um, I, you know, we've had canceled projects, uh, Star Wars projects like Star Wars 1313. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Josh. It was like a yeah. bounty hunter game um, that looked awesome. And so I kind of hope they go towards that direction. Um, we really have no idea. But we do know with this news that EA no longer has, uh, you know, exclusivity for Star Wars games. I guess we already kind of talked about that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're still continuing to work on games. We got uh, a direct statement from EA today saying, we are proud of our longstanding collaboration with Lucasfilm's games, uh, which will continue for years to come. We love Star Wars and look forward to creating more exciting experiences um, for players to enjoy. So that's, you know, we're not going to see no more EA games. And I also, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think this is an opportunity. It's not really appropriate to dunk on EA uh, they definitely had some missteps, but Josh, I've been playing Battlefront 2. We'll talk about this later, and that game has come a long way from the absolute depths that it was in when it came out. Um, and then yep. Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, Squadrons is fun, too. It, it, they really have turned the corner on uh, yeah. games. So I'm looking forward to future EA Star Wars games. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I haven't dipped my toes back into Battlefront. That's one of the few like you know multiplayer-focused games I did play last gen, and... Uh, uh, I just remember how beautiful it looked, but uh, it did lose me pretty quick. But I've heard that it's much better. And yeah, I I picked up Star Wars Squadrons. I plan on playing that at some point. And uh, yeah, I think EA has done a good job. Uh, with this, though, I'm I'm super excited for whatever this ends up being. I, the Division 2, I think of as like maybe this, it seems to me, I didn't dig as deep as you did, but I, I, on the surface, it does look like 
this is likely to be a live service game. But, you know, they did say they're hoping to make something different. Nonetheless, The Division 2 is probably, as far as I can recall, had the smoothest launch of any live service game, like big, huge live service game of the previous, you know, five to ten years. Right. Um, so they're definitely... And even the crew, you know, I don't think that game reviewed, you know, spectacularly, but I don't recall any technical issues or any people saying like, oh, this game is um, broken in any way. So um, it seems like Ubisoft Massive does have that uh, genre uh, covered pretty well. But I'm with you. I kind of hope they go in a direction more of like Star Wars 1313 or even, you know, a a Jedi Fallen Order. Of course, they don't want to cannibalize that that series, but um, seeing what they could do. Uh, with something more along those lines would be would be wait was Star Wars thirteen thirteen there was another canceled big multiplayer project the one that was being produced by um, Visceral Games I think or was that thirteen thirteen oh man I'm not sure um, I think Amy Hennig was at the head of a, a Star Wars project that got canned um, yeah there were there were definitely two and I think one was more like it was basically Star Wars Uncharted and right. then another one was more of an open uh, or like a live service game. But anyway, I'm excited. This studio uh, seems very talented. Uh, I've you know liked what they've done in the past. I did play The Division 2 and I thought it was great. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited too. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what kind of game this is. And before we move on, I just want to share one more quote that gives us a lead on what kind of game it might be. Uh, Senior VP of Global Games at Disney said, these are massive entertainment experiences that last for many hours, much longer than film. When people are paying $70, you've got to reward that investment. So this is from a an exec who may not be there in the day-to-day um, and may not be super involved with what, you know, like shaping exactly what the game will be. But if that gives you any kind of clue, it hints to me that it is going to be a fairly large game. Yeah. Yep. Uh which is which is exciting, and again, I want to reiterate something I kind of touched on earlier. But the, the, I feel like they're going about this the, the very very much the right way, like being able to pick any developer. Which the Star Wars license is fortunate enough that they're so massive that they can pretty much, I'm sure, do that. I'm sure there are probably people who would turn them down because they're busy, but they can pretty much pick any developers and say this is the right team for this project. And I really hope that's what they're doing here. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, so lots of news there. Uh, we're just, that's our pretty much our first story. It's kind of three stories wrapped into one. But our next one is for another, uh, well, for one of the most highly anticipated games, I think it's fair to say, in 2021. And Gotham Knights, which got a, a bit of gameplay details or had, there were some gameplay details revealed in an interview with um, one of the heads at uh, WB Montreal. I guess it's, um, let's see. Is this Fleur Marty or Marty Fleur? I wrote it down. <laughs> it could be Fleur, Fleur Marty. Fleur Marty. But, um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, he was interviewed um, and the interview was posted and I can't even click this link. Oh, here we go. Uh, this this is coming from Games Radar. And basically a lot of what was, without getting too deep into the, the interview itself, a lot of the details that were revealed here were around the co-op and uh, the combat and how that's going to work. Uh, we do have one quote here that says, we have entirely redesigned the combat system. And this is, he's speaking from uh, uh, from Arkham, the Arkham games. We've entirely redesigned the combat system in order for it to work well in co-op, says Fleur Marty. Could be Marty Fleur, uh, executive <laughs> producer on Gotham Knights. Of course, we're, st- we're still a brawler, and some of the mechanics won't feel totally alien for people who played and enjoyed the Arkham games, but it is in many ways very different. And then the article went to describe uh, the co-op as seamless drop-in, drop-out co-op. Um, and if you have been following this game, you know the co-op is limited to just two players. It's not three or four players, just two players. And one of the reasons they said they went with that decision was because they wanted to keep the game from feeling claustrophobic. Because when you're wandering through Gotham City, you're, you often find yourself in these narrow spaces, the, whether they're alleyways or even inside buildings. So they felt that two players was a better fit than three or four. And uh, they also said that to switch heroes, so they, this is, I found interesting. They called it, they, they described it as seamless drop-in, drop-out co-op. So it sounds like maybe your friends can drop in at, at will pretty much, or you can drop in on a friend's game whenever. But in order to change characters yourself, because there are four characters in the game that you can play, four different heroes, 
you actually have to go back to your headquarters. You can't just switch out um, when you're out on a mission. So that was a bit of interesting information we didn't have before. And then finally, we found that all four heroes will level up simultaneously. So if you're playing as Batgirl, then uh, what are the other ones? Nightwing, Robin, and Red Hood will all level up as you do, Um, which uh, I don't really have a stance on that. I don't know if that's a a good or a bad thing. Um, However, we also learned that enemies also level up with you. So there's not going to be... Uh, I forget what the term is for it. Level, I guess level scaling is a thing in this game. Um, right. So, Yeah. Um, this was a cool post. Uh, I had a knee-jerk reaction. I don't know about, about you, Josh, when I saw entirely redesign the combat system in order for it to work well with co-op. I think you can take that in the in a very negative direction if you, if you want to. Um, yeah. Not necessarily that it is a negative. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that if, if people want to play it as co- a co-op experience, then it will be good for them. Um, but as you were talking through their decision to make this two-player co-op, I actually think th- that's really encouraging to me. Um, I just, I've got Avengers-itis. I don't know what else to call it. Um, I don't yeah. want Gotham Knights to go down that path. And it, as far as making the gameplay feel not claustrophobic, that is ex- that's just the perfect description for how I felt about Avengers. And so if they found a way to make two-player co-op work and not feel claustrophobic i'm all for it yeah same here uh, i i did have a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction as well when i saw that they redesigned the, the combat for co-op just because uh like we talked about earlier uh arkham asylum is one of my probably one of my five favorite games of all time and uh the other arkham games are right up there or, you know kind of right below it so hearing how things have changed is a bit disappointing at the same time i totally get that they're trying to make a game that's not an arkham game they want to make their own game and if they are going to make it co-op yeah make the combat tailored to that experience um that's much better than them trying to force fit co-op into what is essentially a single player you know gameplay model so sure um, i'll i'll give them the benefit of the doubt here i i will too and also like i am i it just occurred to me while you're reading out this story, I'm struggling to think of a game that was specifically designed for two-player co-op like Gotham Knights. Um, the, the the titles that are coming to mind are actually the Army of Two games, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are kind of old by this point. They were out when I was, yeah, like a teenager. What two-player co-op games exist like this? I, I'm struggling to think. Um, modern games? I'm I'm not thinking of any either off the top of my head, but... You know, it's funny. The one game that popped into my head was the original Contra from like 30 years ago. But gotcha. Um, nothing, nothing in recent memory. Yeah, that's like specifically a two-player co-op game. Everything seems to be tailored to four or, uh, like in cases of like games with raids, many more players. Right. Or Apex Legends multiplayer is three squads of three. So it, it, very interesting. Um, this is a game that's not super, super high on my anticipated. I'll, I'll spoil a little bit, but um, I'm, I'm like very cautiously interested in it. Yeah, it it my, my it goes up and down on my anticipation scale. Sometimes I'm like just the fact that it's an, you know, a, a game set in that universe, the Gotham City slash Arkham universe makes me super excited for it. But yeah, the direction I, I really wish this was just a dedicated single player game, not going to lie. Yeah, uh, but. Um, I do think the gameplay they've showed looks looks great, and I, I'm uh, I'm excited. I thought I thought Arkham uh, the the other game that WB Montreal has made, Arkham Origins, while it definitely doesn't hold up to the other Arkham games, it's still a fantastic game, and this is clearly a talented developer. So I'm right. I, I'm still pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. All righty. So moving on after Gotham Knights, we did get a um, a sizzle reel at CES. I think kind of quietly. I didn't really realize that CES was happening. I'm so used to these shows just not going on. And of course, it wasn't like an in-person thing. I believe it was all online. But Sony had a big segment at CES. And within that segment, they kind of embedded this sizzle reel for a bunch of their games. And at the end of that trailer, there was a, once again, one of those title cards. (laughs) They've been doing this. This is kind of, I guess, how they release their release dates now. Um, A title card had a bunch of release windows for all their exclusives. And I'm going to go down the list. This isn't everything, um, but this is all the stuff that is uh, that was unknown. This is new information, I guess I should say that. So uh, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, is now releasing, we know, in March of 2021. Solar Ash, uh, which is the indie game developed by the 
guys and gals who made uh, Hyperlight Drifter. That's coming out in June of 2021. Little Devil Inside, just like a story-focused narrative. No, actually, I don't know what Little Devil Inside is. I'm not going to not going to speak on something I don't know what it is. That's coming July 2021, but it is an indie game, I'm pretty sure. Ghostwire Tokyo from Bethesda. That's uh, coming in October of 2021. Stray, the uh, awesome-looking game where you get to play a cat. That's coming out in October of 2021 as well. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. This is interesting. Now only says 2021. I believe the last time we saw one of these release windows for that game, it said uh, first half of 2021. So very interesting there. Horizon Forbidden West 2021, just across the board. We don't know when that game is coming uh, other than this year. Project Athia or Athia is January 2022. So a year out, uh, but we now have a pretty specific release window for that game. And then Pragmata, which if you don't recall, that was revealed in the PlayStation reveal event. It's this really weird looking sci-fi game where you apparently go to space and there's a cat in it. And that's coming out now in 2023 which was delayed from 2022. So uh, anything here catch you by surprise, Jackson? Um, yes. Uh, I think I criticized them last time. I'm going to do it again. Why are you... Why? Why is this the way that you're <laughs> announcing release dates uh, at the very end of your title card? Anyways, um, Kenna, very excited for that game. Uh, there's a lot of little indie games interspersed through here that I'm excited for. I'm mostly excited to just get more games on next-gen, more next-gen experiences. Um, that's, that's really exciting to me. Ghostwire is m- still more of an unknown to me. I'm very into it, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, that's coming out October. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is so shocking to me that they've backed off of that first half promise. Um, yeah. So that signals to me, gosh, maybe this is an August game. Um, I was thinking it was going to be like a March or May game or April, or, you know, around that spring timeline there. Um, Horizon Forbidden West, though, that's not surprising to me. I I think that game, they are really going to wait until it's absolutely ready. Um, Of course, you always want to release your game before Black Friday. So um, I expect Horizon to be a big um, game for the holiday season this year. Uh, God of War is not on this list, which I thought was very suspect um, that they don't even want to put a date on that thing. Uh, I was kind of expecting that. I don't know if that was unrealistic or not, but that stuck out in my mind. Yeah, I'm sure that they even they probably knew people were going to point that out, that God of War wasn't on this list. That did occur to me as well. But I still think, I think I mentioned it on a show, and maybe you did too, that seems like of all the games lined up for 2021, that's one that might slip. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's still looking like Sony is going to have a banger of a year. Um, oh, yeah. If, if uh, most of these games uh, come out. Even some of these uh, more indie games, I think, look fantastic. Yeah, Kenna and then um, Stray looks really cool. And um, what was the other one I was seeing? Oh, Solar Ash, just because of Hyperlight Drifter being one of the best-reviewed you know, indie games of the last five or ten years. I don't know when that game came out, but they clearly have some skill over there at that studio. So it's going to be interesting uh, and fun to watch as these games are released. Yeah, it, it will be. One more thing I just thought of, Deathloop. It's kind of, I mean, I know we have a, an exact release date for Deathloop, but it's kind of weird that it wasn't in this trailer. I don't I, think I, it's anything to look into, though. I think it may have been. I think that might have been one of the games I took off because we already oh. knew when that game was coming out. So, gotcha. so that's my bad. Yeah, I think that was no on worries. here. I think they also listed Hitman 3 on here, and there was one other one. Gotcha. Returnal was on here, but we actually have you know set dates for those, so I actually didn't include them. I think I'm revealing the fact that I did not watch this sizzle trailer before we <laughs> well, hopped on the podcast. <laughs> you could have watched it and still not known because it's literally fine print at the for, that shows for like four seconds at the end right. of the trailer. So, gotcha. Um, anyways, uh, very cool that we got some uh, release dates. Uh, you know, release windows. 2021 is is taking shape finally. Uh, and speaking of, we got a bunch of new gameplay details and new gameplay videos for one of the PlayStation exclusives that we just mentioned, Returnal. Uh, And they put this really detailed blog post up on the PlayStation blog where they talked about actual gameplay. And they did reveal a gameplay trailer for the combat of this game. And I highly recommend you go and watch it. If you're into uh, roguelites, this game looks amazing. If you're not into roguelites, you might not be into it. But um, the the gameplay trailer just uh, really looks good. So here's some of the details. Uh, The environments are going to be procedurally generated. There are going to be 10 base weapons and 90 weapon uh, traits or variants that will modify your weapons. And these are like things that you'll pick up on each run and 
you know, as you die, you'll lose your variants and you'll have to find new ones on your next run. Um, weapons have an alt fire mode that's randomly assigned at the beginning of your run, and you uh, that's going to make take advantage of the dual sense where you pull halfway down on L2 and then squeeze it all the way down to fire your alt fire mode. Um, Celine, she's the character, main character of the game, uh, can only hold one weapon at a time, so you have to be very careful about what you choose to uh, fight with. And then on death, you lose most abilities, but some do persist, which is similar to a lot of really great roguelites, Dead Cells or Rogue Legacy, if you've played those games, and I'm sure there are many others that do the same thing. And um, let's see, one of these abilities that will persist is a tracker that rewards a new permanent item uh, in the... I forget what this item did. Did they actually... Yeah, so I'm the one that typed this, so I'll I'll elaborate. So this tracker, um, it tracks your XP that you gain on each run. And then once you hit a a threshold, it'll add a new item to the pool of loot that you might come across. There we go. Yeah. So uh, all the stuff they talk about just definitely sounds like you're going to have to think very strategically about each run and really take advantage of the items that you do or do not get. So very, very cool. Um, One... Uh, thing that you can acquire, I don't know if they're calling this an item is accurate, but there are parasites. And these are like, uh, I don't know if they're going to be organic things that you come across, but they actually have both positive and negative status effects. So you have to be careful about which of those you pick up. Uh, then there are cursed containers that trigger a random suit malfunction and require repair. So, you know, you, you might just get these, I don't know if they're going to be chests, but some of them will not be friendly. And then you can activate checkpoints, which I found very, very cool. Uh, Not something that you necessarily see in all roguelites, but if you find a checkpoint, you can spend some of your, uh, some resource to activate the checkpoint. So if you do die on that run, you won't have to start over, which is awesome. I think that's awesome too. Um, And I like that it's optional. Like Josh said, if you find it, you can activate it. You You can go and do that. So if you want to be more that traditional roguelike game, then you can... Um, forego that and spend your resources elsewhere. And there's other things that you can spend that specific resource on instead. Yeah. Yep. So any other thoughts here, Jackson, on Returnal? Um, It's actually right around the corner. It's March 19th. Um, So the more I see, I know I've actually bounced back and forth here. I I really liked what I I read here. I'm coming more around to the fact that this is a roguelike. um, And I was blown away, actually, that these very... um, high fidelity 3d environments are procedurally generated yeah i was actually i know i was i was assuming that this was going to be one world and that one world we would explore over and over and over and make progress towards no it's going to be different every time and that is compelling especially after spending some more time with hades i'm interested in returnal yeah me too i i really hope that this game sees some success because the developer is fantastic. Uh, Housemark, or I've seen people or heard people pronounce it Housemarque. I'm not sure which is correct, but they're very good. And, you know, I, I was saying earlier on like either one of our episodes or a previous video or a Twitter post or something that, you know, roguelites just don't have the mass appeal that triple, most AAA games do. This game does carry a AAA price point. So I'm hoping that it's really good and that people give it a shot because, you know, there was a game recently called Hades that received very widespread uh, attention and it had a lot of appeal and great success there. So um, I'm hoping that maybe they can ride the coattails of that game, which I, I feel like even more so than Dead Cells brought this genre to the mainstream. Yeah, me too. And, and one more tiny thing to note at the end of this blog post, they said there would be more uh, news on game modes in the coming weeks. So we will cover that here on the podcast. Cool. Um, so that's uh, our uh, penultimate, I think you would call it, story. Uh, our last story is uh, one that I'm going to kick over to you because uh, of your uh, just you're the Mass Effect guy. <laughs> I will accept that label. Um, the This happened earlier in the week, so you might have forgotten by the time we talk about it. Mass Effect Legendary Edition has a rumored release date of March 12th. Um, these are not obviously confirmed. They're rumored. They're unsubstantiated, but that doesn't mean it's not uh, legit. It first came from a Singapore retailer and an Indonesian outlet. Both of them have uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition set to release on March 12th, which, oh my God, that got me so hyped. That's less than two months away from the time of this recording. Um, EA themselves have only announced that the game will be released in the spring. That fits not 
actually, it's actually just before the calendar spring, but I think a lot of us, you know, we lump March in with the spring months. Um, so pre-orders are live on Amazon, but no release date is posted on that page. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, not much else to add here. Uh, I just want to play it when it's ready. They already delayed it to polish the first game, at least according to the reports that we read and um, shared on this show. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add here other than um, I would like to play Mass Effect 3 because as I've told you before, I still don't know how that game ends. And I know that the ending (laughs) was quite a point of contention there. And if they are going to make Mass Effect 4, if the next Mass Effect is a continuation of these games, I feel like I should get this one under my belt. So we'll see uh, if I pick it up. I hope that the uh, the kind of the additions that they make are significant. Yeah, me too. Cool. So that's going to do it for the weekend previews. We are now going to take a break before we get into our deep dive discussion. So stay tuned. We'll see you in just a second. And we're back. We are now going to get into our deep dive discussion for the week, which is going to cover our most anticipated games of 2021. And 2021 is shaping up to look uh, is shaping up to be quite the year for games. 2020 was amazing, but 2021 is looking to be equally, if not even better. So, Jackson, without killing any more time, I'm just going to kick it over to you. I think we're going to just go back and forth. Uh, you'll yes. list one, and then I'll list one. So take it away. All right, so mine's kind of ordered on when I think these are coming. Some of them don't have dates yet. Some of them do. Um, So first on my list is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, As a longtime fan, I couldn't be more hyped to see some of my most beloved games given the uh, update treatment and brought up to modern standards and also just like playable on uh, next-gen consoles. I think you can play a lot of these games, but it's just a little bit... Well, you can on Xbox, but it's just a little bit tough and they are especially the first game, absolutely rough around the edges. So I really want to see Bioware get a W, and that's also part of this. That's why it's uh, really high on my list. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this could be kind of the beginning of their redemption arc, uh, if that is what they are headed towards. So very cool. Yeah, so mine, uh, if we're going that uh, kind of order, I'll put uh, at the first as the first game on my list uh, in terms of kind of release date is Returnal, actually. Um, now this is a game that normally I probably wouldn't have on my most anticipated, but just because I loved Resogun so much, which is from the same developer, uh, if, if they can match that level of kind of addictive gameplay and rewarding gameplay, then this is going to be a game that I'll spend a lot of time with rogue, like dead cells. That's uh, as far as roguelites, that's a game that I never beat, but I spent so many hours with and just loved. So if this can kind of, uh, rekindle some of those feelings uh, in terms of what it's like to play a rogue a really good roguelite i'm gonna love it awesome yeah returnal looks really cool and i also totally feel you on that like loyalty thing with the dev um yeah if if a dev makes a good game you're always excited for the next one yeah um so i hear you there uh number two for me in terms of release date is it's not really a roguelike but it kind of presents itself as one and it's death loop uh death loop is slated to come out may and um I have always just been fascinated with arcane games. I think I've talked about it in our last episode uh, where I just think they make very quality stuff. Uh, It's very artistically striking visually. And um, the whole thing about being stuck in a Groundhog Day loop and having to solve like a mystery and having eight targets, um, it's just brimming with style and flavor. And that's the kind of game that I really appreciate. So there's Deathloop for me. Yeah, well, uh, my number four is Deathloop uh, <laughs> as well. Um, I cannot wait for this game. In terms of actually my level of anticipation, it might be at the top of my list for pretty much the reasons you just said. I just love the idea of, uh, I, I haven't, again, been, we'll get into what I've been playing, but I haven't really completed, I will say, an arcane game. And uh, But I know their games are fantastic. And this looks, like you said, it's kind of like one giant big puzzle to solve. Uh, this island and this assassination contract. So uh, yeah, I cannot wait for this game. I just think that it it also looks like one of the most unique games of the year. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. So what what do you got next? Oh, okay. Um. So next I'll go Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um. This is just as an old school Ratchet and Clank fan and someone who considers the first three games in that series to be some of my childhood favorites. 
I love Insomniac as a developer. I think everything they do is pretty much fantastic. Um, and keep in mind, yeah, they made the Spider-Man games. I mean, those are just smash hit successes and completely different from what they made before. Um, I think they're a very unique dev as well. They've made games like Sunset Overdrive that maybe haven't been commercially successful, but were very um, kind of pushing forward instead of being very derivative. So with all that said, Rift Apart, I think, is going to take advantage of the PS5 tech uh, in a special way, maybe in a way that we haven't seen or we might not ever see um, from the PS5 again, because a lot of these tech demo-y feeling games seem to come out towards the beginning of the life cycle of consoles. So... With that said, yes, Ratchet & Clank's on my list there. Cool. Uh, Ratchet & Clank, actually, surprisingly enough, did not make my list, but that speaks more to how fantastic the the year is shaping up to be. I do want to backtrack a little bit, because in terms of release dates, I did put Hitman 3 on my list. And that, gotcha. again, is one of the games I'm, in terms of these games, I'm not, it's not a it's not high on the list, but I am very excited for it. Hitman 3's gameplay, or Hitman's gameplay, just... I love the more I play games, the more I love stealth games, and I feel like these are some of the best stealth games. Uh, just the, all the options that they give you, the many ways you can go through each level. I'm not one to really replay games or replay levels, except when it comes to Hitman. I, I replay these levels over and over again. So can't wait to dig in, and it's just uh, next week. So very excited about awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah, Hitman's shaping up to be really awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, next on my list. And this is shaky. I actually think it's going to get delayed out of 2021. It's God of War Ragnarok. Um, God of War 2018 was my game of the year that year. And it's just a testament to how good it was that I'm still even thinking about the game. Um, Because we've had so many games since then. When Sony magically dropped that uh, during their E3 conferences. I think that's when that was this year. Or last year. Or maybe it was was more recent to the uh, PS5 launch. It blew my mind. Uh, I was just not expecting something like that this soon. Um, That being said, I don't have extreme confidence that it will come out in 2021. But at the same time, if it does, I'll be very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, uh, I am very excited for that. But it surprisingly enough, like Ratchet and Clank, didn't make my list, even though I know that's probably near the top for many people. Anyhow, uh, one game that did make my list, which is much smaller in scale, uh, is Kingdom Bridge of Spirits. I think that this game is going to be just a, um, I don't want to call it a hidden gem because I think it's getting plenty of attention, but it's going to be one of the highlights uh, if it is as good as it looks to me. It's got, like you mentioned last week, kind of that Pikmin feel, which I really like, and just this really um, polished third-person action-adventure feel as well. I'm, I'm really excited. The combat looks cool. Uh, the, the graphics are beautiful, so... Um, excited to see how this shapes up and I'll definitely be getting it day one. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. I'm, I'm definitely day one on there, even though it's not on my list here. Um, next up though, for me is horizon forbidden West. Uh, obviously the sequel to one of the best new IPs, um, and one of the best IPs within the PlayStation family, uh, PlayStation studios games. So yeah, forbidden West, I just have sky high expectations for it. I really do trust gorilla to, uh, deliver on this game and give us a new adventure for Aloy. Yeah, so I also have Horizon on my list, and I would say in terms of my level of anticipation, it's sitting right behind Deathloop for me. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this game for the reasons you just said. The world is is was beautiful in, in uh, Zero Dawn. So excited to see what the locations look like in Forbidden West, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think that uh, Zero Dawn had the best combat of any game that I played in uh, of the last generation, perhaps maybe outside of the From Software games, but just uh, really great combat. So looking uh, forward to seeing what type of uh, beasts we get to take down. I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that we get to fight a uh, robotic T-Rex, but oh, I'm not holding my breath. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're on the West Coast, right? If there's T-Rex bones there, you know, maybe cross yeah, our fingers. Seriously. <laughs> Um, so next on my list, uh, actually, I don't even know if this is coming out in 2021, but I had to include it. Uh, a lot of rumors have pointed to it, pointed to it being more, uh, close than far Starfield. Starfield is a mystery, but, um, it does feel more and more that Bethesda is positioned to deliver a big Xbox exclusive, uh, and new IP from Bethesda to, uh, this year, 2021. So 
if Starfield comes out, we don't know much about it at all, but if it comes out holiday 2021, I wouldn't be shocked and I'll be very hyped for it. Yeah, that would be kind of like what they did with Fallout 4 mm-hmm. where they, I mean, even though they actually revealed that game just point blank and then released it four months later, but if the big gameplay reveal came and then they're like, yeah, it's out in November, uh, I could see them doing that. That'd be, that'd be exciting. Yeah, it worked out last time. Yep. So uh, next on the list for me is a game we've talked about already, Gotham Knights. Uh, again, I'm not not really sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for this game, but just the fact that it takes place in that Arkham universe, uh, I believe it's the same universe that they're setting this game in, or just Gotham in general, and it's coming um, from the same devs as one of the Arkham games. I have to put it on my list. Really hope that the gameplay holds up to those old games. Um, uh, if it does, I'm going to be uh, super into this game. Awesome. Gotham Knights looks really fun. Um, I didn't include it, but it's a game I'm going to be picking up and playing day yeah. one for sure. It's just just too big. And yeah, that Rocksteady DNA is still there, yeah. even though it's a different studio. Um, so next on my list, and actually this would have been higher if we were doing it by most hyped, but it just got delayed today and we actually didn't cover it in the show. Hogwarts Legacy is not coming out this year. It's coming out in 2022. Um, so that would have been really high on my list. I think there's a lot of potential for a Harry Potter RPG and the footage we saw, uh, up to this point looked amazing. Unfortunately, it's not coming out this year, but still it would have been there for me. Well, that was actually the last game on my list and I did not see that news. <laughs> I, that somehow no went way. over my head. Yeah. Um, that's a major bummer. Uh, it was one that I was suspecting might get delayed cause we didn't see any actual gameplay, but I've never read a Harry Potter book or seen a Harry Potter movie. I want to read the books before this game comes out because I feel like I would absolutely love them. And uh, I, but yeah, the, the aesthetic of this game, the setting, the the fact that it's like a big open world action RPG that seems kind of heavy on the RPG elements seems like this is a game I'd really like. Um, you know, uh, I haven't mentioned it, but having played through Cyberpunk really got me excited to play more RPGs. So uh, if this is what they're billing it as. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I, I am too. I echo everything you said. Um, I have one thing I need to tell you. You need to read those books. First off, <laughs> yes. um, my, my girlfriend's a huge fan and I've, I've read them. Um, obviously I read them as a kid, but I re- reread them recently, loved them. And also the movies, they're totally worth your time. Yeah. Uh, I plan on it before this comes out. Cause I'd like to be, I'd like to know what I'm playing before I get into it. Absolutely. So that's it for me. Yeah, um, I have one more. It's more of an honorable mention. Uh, It's Resident Evil Village. Um, I've just been really captivated by the new Resident Evil games, specifically 7 and 2. Not 3 as much. I did have fun with that, but not as much fun as those. Uh, So Village is very compelling to me, and I love the kind of uh, aesthetic that they're going for. So yeah, that's definitely on my radar. Nice. So that does it for our uh, most anticipated games of 2021. Uh, We would really love to hear what your most anticipated games are. If you have any, uh, please drop them in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, And with that, we are going to move on to what we're playing. Uh, Jackson, uh, I don't think we've talked about much of what we're playing yet this show. Usually we do, but uh, what what have you been playing? So I've been preparing for Hitman 3 by playing uh, Hitman 2, but the legacy levels of Hitman 1. That's complicated if you don't know how that works, but if you do know, you totally know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to play through Hitman's levels at least once leading up to Hitman 3 just to get the story. I know that the games are meant to be replayed, and I'm definitely going to do that, but I want to do it like with the the best version because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of updates going into those levels uh, with Hitman 3. So I've been going through that. I'm almost at the end of Hitman 1, and then I'll move on to Hitman 2 and hopefully finish that before 3 comes out. Uh, this next week and then interestingly enough star wars battlefront 2 for some reason my buddies and i have gotten back into that we're on a bit of a kick and it's just a blast like it's it's very chill it's so fun to just drop in and you know play a massive battle scenario on hoth with atats and you know get a hero every now and then it actually does remind me of the classic battlefront games uh where the game really didn't back when it came out i think it was 2017 um so it feels weird to say, but yeah, I've been really loving Battlefront 2. Oh, I've heard some people on Twitter uh, 
mentioned that that game is like a nine out of ten after they've really revamped it to be what it is now. So uh, I agree with them. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, uh, I have been playing a smattering of games. I don't know if uh, anyone remembers, but one of my New Year's resolutions was to play, or I think both of ours was to play more more different games, games that I normally wouldn't play. So. I picked up Mortal Kombat 11 because I want to play a fighting game and I want to actually find one that I really like enough to maybe, just maybe get good at. And I'm really enjoying <laughs> my time with Mortal Kombat 11. The story mode is just bonkers and uh, it's definitely got a, a fighting, you know, it seems like the fighting system is deep enough to keep hold my interest. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you posted, but uh, very good game. The game is gorgeous too, by the way. So yeah, um, yeah having some fun with that. I did play a little bit of Hitman 2 uh, or Hitman 1 rather. Um, I won't get too deep into that, but um, gosh, I've been playing so much, I have to rack my brain. I finished The Pathless, uh, which, uh, I, you know, I really was high on that game at first, and it my my enthusiasm did taper off because, so the first area, the first big area of that game is just fantastic, really well done, amazing how the, the world, the open world unfolds, but then you get in, the game is, th- is four areas long, and the other three areas are basically just carbon copies of the first. And so it okay. just got really repetitive. Uh, I, I still oh. enjoyed it, and it was worth it. Uh, but um, I don't know if I would recommend that game for the full $40 price tag. If it goes on sale, definitely check out The Pathless. It does a lot of interesting stuff, just maybe a little too repetitive for me. Uh, and then I downloaded Dirt 5. What the heck? It was on sale, uh, and I downloaded it. I wanted to see what that was like. And uh, it's fun, but it's so far it's really easy, and uh, I'm not finding much of a challenge there. So we'll see if I continue with that. That's been my week in gaming. Lots of stuff. Yeah, that's a, a lot of variety. More than uh, <laughs> more than I can say I've gotten into. Yeah. Oh, and I told I forgot to mention I've also been playing. I started Dishonored. So the first. Oh. One. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? Uh, so far, so good. I'm I'm only past the first mission. Um, okay. But uh, it uh, again, since I've been liking stealth games more and more. Uh, I really think that if that game evolves into what I think it's going to evolve into after the first level, I think I'm really going to like it. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool. D- Dishonored 2, though, man, just takes it to a whole nother level. Um, it really is a big leap between those games, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, visually, it does feel like I'm playing an old game, even though it's yeah. been remastered. But uh, it was developed on the Unreal 3 engine, so it's it's kind of old school but um you know i i wanted to play the first one because i feel like that's a, if i like that game as much as i think i might want to play both right that's a so. good point anyhow we are now going to move on to our uh mailbag we're running a little long here but we want to get to one of our reader questions and this week MipMap writes in with a great question do you think an emphasis on immersion can hurt a game? What comes to mind is the slow animations in Red Dead Redemption 2 for the sake of realism and immersion, since you wouldn't realistically be able to search a body quickly or even move as rapidly as you'd want to for a fluid gameplay experience. Jackson, do you have a point of view on this? So um, I actually think that it depends. I think it could go either way, and I respect either decision. Uh, I think Ghost of Tsushima is a great example. When you're on your horse uh, and you want to pick up like bamboo, for example, you can just pick it up from your horse. That is totally not immersive, not realistic, but it doesn't really hurt the experience. However, I actually was one of the people that loved how slow Red Dead felt, which sounds insane. I'm someone that doesn't want to be slowed down or hindered, but like it's just very within the theme of Red Dead. That's what that experience is. It's very kind of... Uh, it unfolds very slowly. Um, and also the animations are just so just crisp and incredible. I love actually, yeah, what Red Dead 2. So to answer your question, I think it can. It's more about the execution, though. Yeah. And I would say um, it depends on the gamer because I was one of those that didn't particularly like Red Dead for those exact reasons. I just remember getting into my the first cabin you get into. And searching all, I'm, I have a tendency to search everything in games. I want to find every little item. And I was just like, if I'm going to be doing this every single time I want to lose somebody, I can't handle this. And then the fact <laughs> that uh, fast travel didn't open up uh, as as quickly as I would have liked in that game. I know you can eventually fast travel. Um, I was right there with you, Mitmap. I don't know if you were one of these. I don't know if you say necessarily what your thoughts were, but I was of the mind that Yes, uh, this did hinder the gameplay experience for me, but I completely appreciate that game for what it is, and um, I 
I'm super glad that a lot of people loved it as much as Jackson. And I have a friend who would put that probably up as one of his favorite games of all time. So um, depends on the gamer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Side note, I really want to replay this game, but I, I'm just going to wait for the next gen remaster or upgrade. I, I really want to play it at its fullest experience. Yeah. Anyways, that is going to wrap up the show for us this week. Uh, remember, you can send your comments, your questions, uh, or your feedback to the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening on any of the audio platforms, you can, um, or we'd love for you rather, to leave us a review, uh, a five-star review or a written review if you're feeling generous. Uh, um, Did you want to plug anything on your channel, Jackson? Um, I'm going to put out a video really soon. It might actually already be out now about um, what I wanted or what I expected from Valhalla versus what actually, uh, you know, came to be. So look out for that on my channel soon. Nice. And uh, it's all quiet on my front, but I am working on my next project. Uh, It's coming. Just might take me a little while per usual for me. And with that, we are going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening and watching on YouTube if that's where you are. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.